0: Standing behind a mission statement or a purpose is really not um, black or white. It's not numerical, it's not financial. It needs to go to the heart and you need to have something that you know people can build on. And that no matter where you live and work, no matter what the context is of your day-to-day, it's going to mean something and it's going to matter.
1: Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Why do you do what you do at work? Why does your company do what it does? I'm not talking about the actual work, but I'm talking about your purpose and your organization's purpose. Do you have one? Does your company have one? And if not, how would you, if put on the spot, create one? These are some of the questions that my guest on today's episode of the Inspire podcast had to answer and had to answer fast back in 2014. She's joining me from Tokyo. Her name is Jin Song Montesano. She's the executive officer and senior managing director of Lixil Group Corporation. When she was hired, she was put in this role and immediately had to figure out how a newly amalgamated company would come together as one entity behind a purpose. And how she handled that challenge along with her team had profound implications not only for Lixil, but actually the world. Now if you haven't heard of Lixil, well you've almost certainly heard of and used their products. They were built in a 2011 merger of five of Japan's most successful building materials and housing companies. Then they went on to acquire global companies like Grow and American Standard. So you have probably used their sanitation products Uh, which touched the lives today of more than a billion people. But they're more than just uh, providing uh, sanitation products to companies. They really are changing the world. And an example of that is their Sato division which was launched with funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation which makes safe toilets for the millions of people who still have to defecate in the open. And Jen will talk a lot about Sato and and I'm really excited that since we recorded this podcast Lixil and UNICEF announced a bold new international partnership to tackle this sanitation challenge. And their goal is to contribute to improving access to basic sanitation for 250 million people around the world by 2021. And so what Jin's story today shows is how if even a sanitation company can come up with a higher purpose, then you and your organization can and should as well. Enjoy my conversation. Jin is the chief public affairs officer for Lixel, and she joins me tonight from Tokyo. Jin, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: What Lixel is today, as I've come to learn, talking with you, reading materials, visiting your website, speaking with, and, and from us working with your company, is that it's a company that has was created in essence from you know five other companies, but which has come together behind a unified purpose. And that purpose, I know, infuses everything that you do. It's been something that's been instrumental in really linking people around the world together in a service of one goal and creating a sense of identity for the business. And I know you and your team have had a huge role to play in making that happen. So I want to bring you on because I think if you can take a business that's really almost invisible to so many people, you know, in the home and turn a business like that into one that's purpose-driven, there are lessons for anyone, no matter what business or organization they're in, can take away from that.
0: You're so right, Bart. I mean, I think you've put it you know, better than I could. Um, Lixil is a company that um, a billion consumers all around the world use our products every day to get up, get ready to go to work, to prepare their kids um, breakfast and pack their lunch bags in the morning. You know, we make kitchens and faucets, toilets, and shower heads, doors, and floors, you name it. And yet, we're an integral part of your home and people don't really know um, the world of Lixil and what it is that we do to make that happen. At the end of the day, when all of these companies come together this way, you have a situation where employees feel a very strong bond and a loyalty to their legacy companies. So, you know, I'm proud of having been with American Standard, or I'm proud of being an employee of Grow but you don't really know who Lixil is. It's this Japanese parent company, it's only six years old, whereas these other brands are 100 and 150 years old, some of them much older than that. So you're really working at the Lixil group level to think about why does this company need to exist? Hmm. What is the purpose for all of these businesses and these legacy companies and brands Mm -hmm. to be under one roof? So let, so
1: let me, if I could just jump in here for a sec, Jen. Sure. I want to take it, let's get personal to the moment when you joined Lixil. Because when right. we were talking last month about the early days, I guess in 2014 when you joined, it was quite shocking, <laughs> you, you described to me, how disconnected these companies were. Tell, tell me and tell our listeners a bit about what you saw and what you heard soon after joining the company.
0: Well, when I joined the company in 2014, I had arrived here from um, working from another company, a global, um, you know, best practice company living in Belgium. And I came to Tokyo to find that we had no way to communicate internally with all the 70,000 employees that were operating in 150 countries. Uh, When I asked people where the internal communications platform was, they blinked and said, what do you mean we use email? And I said, so if the CEO has to communicate something to all employees, what do we do? Send an email. And I said, well, but the chief information officer says our email bandwidth isn't big enough for an email to go out to all 70,000 employees at the same time, so what do we really do? And they said, well, we do a cascade where we send an email and we send it to the top 200 and then the 200 need to forward it down to the next level and then to to the next level and to the next. and for many people who work in large corporations today and i've only worked in large corporations my entire career i know that that doesn't work because at a certain level we stop forwarding on the emails uh, because we don't think it's relevant and it usually happens at the level of middle management so essentially we weren't the vast majority of our employees and there was no technology or platform to do that um not only that but there wasn't an understanding as yet and in fact we needed to engage these employees because mm. at headquarters people were so very busy just trying to figure out um what our purpose what our identity was what was it that we had now become as Lixil group and one of the reasons why i was recruited to come to Lixil was to really help formally that narrative what is our corporate narrative what is our purpose for existing who do we serve
1: and didn't you mention that many of the companies who had been acquired had never even spoken to the new owners in Japan or or to other companies. I mean, wasn't there just a total lack of unified identity at that time? How did you then begin the process of bringing people together to create what is today the Lixil purpose and the Lixil identity?
0: Well, you know, each company have come with their own mission and vision, and I found, actually and this is what eventually we live toward is that no matter what part of your journey um, you know had brought you to Lixol, we do have one overarching mission: creating a safe and comfortable environment for you to call home, and regardless of whether you live in a slum in Nairobi. Or an apartment in Tokyo, the work that we do really contributes to helping you have that improved home and get closer to that dream. So whether it's a family in Nairobi to whom we bring for the first time in their lives a toilet, or whether it's a new family that's building their new house in a suburb of Tokyo, you know we're really there to improve people's comfort mm-hmm. and lives. And I think that's an important greater purpose that we share Um, as a company right across all the brands and geographies.
1: Were people aware of that common purpose when you joined, or was that what was ultimately developed?
0: Yeah, that was what we ultimately developed. Everyone had slightly different missions and visions that we did in the public affairs team to um, research everyone's positions and what we believed could be the common purpose.
1: The starting point then, would you say the starting point for for getting to purpose is bringing the right people to the table?
0: Mm. I think the starting point is bringing enough people from the various walks of life that make up what you believe are the different communities in your company Mm. to the table, and making sure that their voice is heard and that could be, you know, I held one workshop for a day, but you could hold many workshops, maybe have them in the geographies themselves in a, in smaller clusters, and then you could ladder them up. You know, there are many ways to do it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you know, as I, I like what you said, you need enough. How do you know when you right. have enough and not too many or too few?
0: Right. Well, you know, I think this is one of those cases where um, perfect is the enemy of good. You can always fact check back whether you've got the right outcome in the end by making sure that what you then formulate as a statement or a narrative then gets broader um, circulation and input. So even as you start to formulate and polish You know what was a very rough stone into something like a smooth pebble as you go through this process, you're going to keep checking in. And I consider this iterative process very important because standing behind a mission statement or a purpose is really not um, black or white. It's not Mm -hmm. numerical. It's not financial. It needs to go to the heart. And you need to have something that you know people can build on. And that no matter where you live and work, no matter what the context is of your day-to-day at Lixol, it's going to mean something and it's going to matter mm-hmm. and it's going to inform the way you operate. And I think that's a big and right. very tall order if you think about it. But the beauty is in the flexibility of that.
1: I want to dive into that a bit more. So so you, you bring the right people and you bring enough people to the table. Then you go through this iterative process to really get something. What was the toughest moment in the iterative process that you went through to get to that draft identity statement.
0: Well, first I need to explain the context of um, what I'm going to say. Please. Uh, the three strategic pillars of Lixil's corporate responsibility agenda includes environmental sustainability. That's one. Uh, diversity and inclusion. The second. And sanitation and hygiene. That's the third. Now. Of course, the first two are very familiar to you and frankly, table stakes for every global corporation. So every global corporation should be doing and setting responsible commitments in these areas. But sanitation and hygiene, that's the unique one. That's the special one that Mm -hmm. really speaks to the heart of purpose at Lixell just because we are the world's largest player in water technology, we are home to some of the biggest brands. We also believe and are very proud of the innovations and the technologies that we invest in and bring to the market for consumers to have, you know, a much more powerful shower experience, but saving water at the same time, if Mm -hmm. you will. We believe and are very proud of that work that we do. And through the iterative process of getting to purpose. One of the things that we pushed, or at least I pushed as part of the discussions, was we don't need to have a purpose that tries to generate good PR or makes us look better than we are. Purpose is really about, fundamentally, what it is that we already do well, what we believe is special about our strengths, and how that can be bridged to achieve a social impact that brings good to the rest of the world as well so it's not doing anything particularly differently from what we already do Hmm. pretty well and are proud of but really identifying something out there in the world where social challenges are rife where these specific skill sets or strengths can really make a positive and significant impact on is there something that could become our purpose in that sense and that's how we found that sanitation and hygiene was a much ignored area water is sexy you've got leonardo dicaprio you've got um (laughs) you know former president vice president al gore everybody works on water everyone gets water scarcity and the need to improve water or that everyone has a fundamental human right to have access to drinking water clean water But sanitation, it's a bit tricky. People don't wanna talk about that. People don't want to know that one in three people in the world today are practicing open defecation because they have no access to safe sanitation. People don't wanna hear that women and girls are raped, kidnapped, or sexually harassed while they go in the dark, very far from their homes to relieve themselves because they want to seek a little bit of privacy. People don't know that. And when we discovered the health the social, the educational, uh, and safety impacts that can happen to families and communities when there is no access to a basic toilet, something you and I don't even think about mm-hmm. until, of course, our toilet is broken. <laughs> you know, that was very powerful for us. We realized at that moment mm-hmm. that we have an extraordinary set of skills and strengths and technology, as well as know how, to bring products we believe could be affordable, valuable, and useful to people who currently do not have access to something as basic as a toilet. And for us, when we brought that and articulated that into a purpose as part of our strategic pillars for corporate responsibility, that just ignited people. Hmm. Now, you asked me the question, but did you have a really tough moment in Mm -hmm. that iterative process? Yes. There was one particularly tough moment. Um, There was a business CEO and he wanted to eliminate or discontinue one particular project that was ongoing in his business, which I had believed was going to play a very critical role in the future of Lixil achieving its purpose, especially in the sanitation and hygiene area. And this project this project was called sato and sato which is short for safe toilet was at that time just one single sku uh, a simple blue plastic toilet which we could sell at a retail price of five dollars and it really did two things that would help These consumers who, as I've mentioned, 2.4 billion people out there who currently are going in the field or going in the river because they don't have a toilet, you know, they don't want to go and use the toilet because of the smell and because of the insects and the bugs. So they'd much rather be out there in the wilderness, in the open field. And this simple Sato toilet invention drastically minimizes odor And it also creates a seal that prevents flies and bugs and other insects from coming up um, the the pit. And that enables this to be regarded as the first um, safe toilet, first basic sanitation product Mm. um, at the $5 price, which is the lowest price that you can imagine for a proper toilet. And this CEO said, well, this business isn't doing well. We should just kill this. You know, we don't like these side projects. Just wastes people's time and resources. Um, you know, none of the CSR crap. <laughs> so let's just get rid of it. No pun intended. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and of course, I I thought this was um, a rather foolish decision and quite premature. And I sat him down and explained to him that actually we've been doing some work to ideate our purpose. And we believe sanitation and hygiene is an absolutely critical and special area where no one else seems really to be um, paying much attention to, but given our business, uh, given our, our expertise set that we could really make a huge impact in this area. And the Sato toilet would be a really critical player in helping us to realize this goal. And, and what did they say? He said we're not at that stage yet, Jim. Where we can be doing this kind of uh di da stuff
1: <laughs> i so, mean I, I just that I just have to laugh <laughs> when I say not at the stage you know of a massive global conglomerate with huge revenues and, and, and if not who if not then then who
0: <laughs> All right, well, I think what he meant was we've got still so much um post-acquisition integration to go through, streamlining, cost-cutting. You know, we've got a lot to do to stand up these businesses and make them high-performing companies. So this is a luxury, what you're talking about, Jen. That was, I think, his perspective, was that once we're a fundamentally sound and stable company and all the post-acquisition integration stuff is done, we can get to some of this type of uh, good PR work. And I tried to explain to him that it had nothing really to do with PR. This was really about us finding a common purpose across the world, but he was very focused on PL and and cost cutting. In the end, however, the group CEO um, understood what I was trying to, to say and what I was trying to do. He obviously understood because he is the person who mandated that I start to look at how we can build a common purpose for the organization. And so he eventually intervened in this conversation and allowed for the Sato uh, project to come across and become a corporate initiative. And that's how that project Mm -hmm. ended up being overseen by me.
1: And does that project continue to this day?
0: Well, today, Sato is a global business, and it is Lixel's only social business. It is a business with a P&L. We've sold over 1.4 million Sato pans uh, in over a dozen countries around the world, in East Africa, in South Asia, uh, and so forth. And we're a strong partner with international organizations like UNICEF, as well as PSI, WaterAid, and others, where we work in partnership on the ground in these communities, these hard-to-reach communities that desperately need decentralized sanitation systems. And we work with them to ensure every household can have access to a toilet. We think it's one of the most successful um, case studies um, today around moving uh, to make a positive impact on Mm -hmm. sanitation. Um, we're very
1: we're, we're very fortunate and what a story. I mean, you know what I'm I'm hearing I mean first of all uh, Kudos to you for having the courage to speak up believe in Sato and the need for it to continue and for Speaking in the way that would lead to that happening. So just you know so uh, so admire that the, the other thing I'm taking you. away, you know as you're describing this process of developing the purpose of bringing this group together and ideating, you know, through multiple iterations, what it is, is the statement you made that a purpose is not a marketing slogan. It's not something that you kind of create as PR, but it really is more no. an inward looking reflection of what it is that you as an organization uniquely do. Is that, is that a fair way to describe it?
0: Exactly. That's exactly the right way to describe it. And it must be that because if it is PR, it's something outside and separate from what the organization's business is about. But Mm -hmm. purpose should be what your business is about. And if your business is about improving the lives of people's comfort and convenience through improving their homes, well, that has to include everybody. Hmm. It can't just include those who can afford it. Right. It has to include everyone. And we believe that our business is directly linked to our purpose. And we do many, many different things to achieve that goal. Hmm. So the purpose needs to be completely in line with your business.
1: So what's the future? I mean, here you, you've created this purpose. You've unified the companies. You're, you've inspired and changed the world. What's next? I mean, is it, does it just stop or do you do, you do more with it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Bart, um, we're not at the end, we're only at the beginning. <laughs> so I, w- I would say to you that, you know, we're, we've been thrilled by the, the way in which our corporate responsibility agenda has been embraced. I think um, having this clarified social purpose has generated lots of interest and excitement across the organization where people now come to us with ideas about what we could do. And then when Kenya Seto, our current CEO, arrived in January of 2016, he turned to me and said, this work that you're doing around sustainability, I want to double down on that. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, we actually need to turn this into a proper social business. So the fact that Sato today is a social business was really because our new CEO, Kinyaseto, doubled down on the importance of making this a sustainable and long-term strategy that's core to the company. So it would no longer rely on me having to secure budget for it. You know, it was all about in the next five years, build me a sustainable business plan that's gonna allow this product to fund itself. How do we do that? How do we make that happen? When Kenya said to put a PNL model against the Sato social business and really turn it into a sustainable business, that allowed me to then go to partners like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and ask them to support us in this journey. And the Gates Foundation also provided us um, with a matching grant; they matched Sato-san's um, money uh, to allow us to achieve that goal of of financial independence at the end of a five-year business plan. We also were um, very, you know, fortunately, recipients of Canadian um, government funding. So Grand Challenges Canada also gave us one million Canadian dollars to further our goals and accelerate the work that we were doing with the Sato social business. So as you can see, Mm. um, it was really uh, Kenya Seto, the second CEO, who accelerated our purpose and strengthened that. By mm-hmm. saying in order for purpose to be sustainable and work like the Sato activity to be sustainable, it needs to act like part of our business. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we say PL, we immediately think, oh, it has to be, you know, generating a ton of money. And of course, that's not what it's about. The point here is that this PL will have financial targets, but it will also have non-financial targets, more importantly. And that non-financial target is about reaching the 100 million people that we have set for ourselves as a goal and to improving their lives with safe sanitation and that's how we're going to measure the success of that business
1: so jen you know I, i think that's just such a such a perfect finale to our story that you know you were brought into an organization that was really totally disconnected didn't even have anything beyond email to communicate and you said look we need a purpose and you brought people together you went through this iterative process, you created something, and through that, had that moment where you saw that Sato was more than just a nice-to-have, but really a, a reflection of the purpose that the company had. And now, to have a new CEO come in and not only validate that, but invest further in it, just shows how when you develop a purpose, others will, will see it, be inspired by it, and lead with it in ways that you never could have imagined. And that must be so exciting to see occur now.
0: Yes, it it is very exciting. It's also really humbling because, you know, um, make no mistake about it, this was definitely not effort on my part alone. Uh, I simply facilitated the conversations and picked up on the energy of those around me who really understood why we needed to have this greater purpose. I, you know, I fought for the right things. But ultimately, it's really the 70,000 employees who have come together this way. Every day they write to us and talk about how they want to get involved. People write to me all the time personally, asking me about considering X, Y, and Z. I have people who want to start projects in China for um, rural communities. Um, It's really activated something very different across the organization. And, you know, we don't have time today, but we're doing so many other things in the area of environmental sustainability, too. So it isn't just about sustainability um, for sanitation. It's really overflowed into other areas where businesses who aren't actually operating in sanitation. So we have a business that's in, you know, making windows. We're like number one player of windows in Japan. And they're so excited about how we've driven purpose with sanitation and hygiene and they're now talking to us about what we can do more with their businesses because that's a huge business Incredible. the housing business and so it's really created a, a really interesting culture within the company mm-hmm. where we're proud to be um, working toward this greater purpose it's very inclusive and it was iterated so people feel fundamentally that they can find their home in this purpose and because of the flexibility of it, they can really activate it their own way in a way that makes it special for them in their Mm. communities, wherever they're living and working. And I think that's really the power of building um, a purpose that resonates for your organization. And and the
1: final question I'll ask you, as someone who has done that, has built that common purpose, if you were giving one piece of advice to anyone or any group who was about to embark on the same journey to create a common purpose, what would it be?
0: Okay, well, I'd like to give three pieces of advice. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) The first would be to internally investigate what you think you're already good at as a company. Really identify those intrinsic strengths that make you a profitable company that make you a healthy company and then do some analysis about how that could potentially translate to support and positively contribute to social challenges that we're facing out there. I mean there are 17 UN sustainable development goals and within those 17 that covers everything from poverty to child labor to migration to sanitation and hygiene There will be something that you can do as a company that bridges between your strengths and the world that needs those strengths to be activated the second is to take time and investigate what's going on within your company and who needs to be brought in community-wise to help you iterate toward that purpose take the time you need it's not something you want to rush and to miss those key communities and when you get started mapping those communities you'll realize it's not as hard as you think it is. It sounds quite daunting, but sit down and talk to people and find out where you think those centers of gravity are within your organization and be inclusive, bring them on board. And the third and final piece of advice, embed. Embed this process as part of your business's normal operating rhythm. Make it part of your governance. If it's a fantastic idea created out of a PR department or communications function, it's a fantastic idea. But that idea could just disappear um, if there's a budget cut or if there's a change in leadership. And you want to leave a lasting legacy. A purpose should not be a fashion. It should really be core and the raison d'etre to what that company is trying to achieve. And one way to make sure that it stays as a permanent part of that organization is to embed that into the business's operating rhythm. And that's the example I gave of the Corporate Responsibility Committee, which I formed very early on to ensure that we were on the right path and to check ourselves. But I also, every quarter, present to uh, before the group board of directors on the progress that we're making against our goals. So the more that you can embed these um, active activities that you're trying to drive and building purpose into the business's own natural operating rhythm, the more you'll be able to have a lasting impact with that work that you do.
1: Well, I'm glad you pushed for three. (laughs) Those are, (laughs) those are great takeaways for anyone listening. Jen, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. I, I mean, for me, learning about First of all, Lyxel, and it's almost like a hidden Mm -hmm. hero around the world, (laughs) in terms of not only your core business but the real work that your seventy thousand employees are doing to tackle these, you know, massive sanitation challenges and improve the lives of people around the world. Thank you for sharing that, and thank you also for sharing with me and with people listening what really has to happen to create a purpose like this. It's it may seem at, at the end you know so self-evident but what you really showcase is how intentional you have to be so i appreciate you coming on and and uh letting us hear how the professionals do it it's much appreciated
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to our story bar
1: thanks for listening to my conversation with jim montesano i've also put Uh, links to the UNICEF Sato announcement in the show notes. Uh, If you haven't already, please rate, review the podcast, follow it. Helps me uh, know that we're doing something right and uh, helps others find it. And uh, I'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.